0: I love those moments when you can look and and see the way God is weaving things together, and there's clearly things um happening that you know He's a part of and that he's he's doing, and it happens constantly in life if we open our eyes to see it, yeah. Um, but this morning, there's one of those, like throughout uh the songs. Mark had no idea when he chose those songs what I was speaking on today, but God knew. And um, yeah, and just like Lawrence said, aligning ourselves with what the Father says that's what I'm talking about today. So um, yeah, very exciting to speak. My name's Philippa. If I haven't met you, I'm sorry, I'd love to meet you at some point. Um, This morning, I'm speaking on the Prodigal Son Loving Father parable. And yes, a few weeks ago, Mark uh, Millard did speak on it. Yes, he did. Um, And funnily enough, uh, before he spoke, about a week before we were chatting, and he was like, I'm going to speak on the Prodigal Son uh, parable. And I was like, no, because I'd already started preparing because I was supposed to be the week after him, but then I was sick. Um, But that was okay. God has worked it all out because... Mark's focus was um, all about the heavenly—I mean, God uses anything, right? You can preach on the same thing twice and you get the message. It's all good. Anyway, Mark's focus was on the love of the Heavenly Father. That was a key part of his message. And um, it was really cool to then go, wow, what I've prepared can connect completely into that because the Heavenly Father's love is such an integral— It's not as such. It is the integral foundation (laughs) for everything that we build upon the Heavenly Father's love. And the thing that I'm speaking out of uh, this parable this morning is in relation to our identity in Him, which is also shown to us in this parable. And that is another integral foundation for us to build on. And both Mark and I felt separately God saying that we should talk on this. So we're like, okay, it's okay. We'll just both talk on it. It's all good. Um, but it's it's like... Uh, I just think God's trying to re-sow. You might know some of what I'm going to talk about this morning. That's cool. Let it be, uh, let it fall afresh on your heart today. Let it fall afresh. If you don't know it, then allow it to kind of sink in and, and just fester. That's not a very good word. Uh, percolate. Yeah, that's better. It's associated with coffee. That's definitely better. <laughs> Uh, Allow it to brew (laughs) Um, But just allow God to use what I'm saying this morning You might hear something completely different And um, I know when I first heard some of these things I was just like, what? It was just mind-blowing So hopefully there'll be something in what I say this morning That might blow your mind Just a little bit of the love of God for us So Anyway, into it. Um, Parable, Luke 15, 17 to 24. Thank you, tech team. We couldn't do it without you. (laughs) When he finally, so I'm just cutting off all the rest of the parable because, you know, it's just cutting straight to the chase what I'm speaking about this morning. By the way, if you missed Mark's message, go back and watch it incredibly engaging to watch on video. And it's even got a soundtrack, which brought a little tear to my eye. Um, so it's, if you've missed it, definitely go back and watch it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, parable, Luke 15, 17 to 24. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and sit, sa- oops. Okay, I can't switch between here and here because then I get lost as where I'm up to. (laughs) I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And that's where the soundtrack was in Mark's bit, boom. Um, (laughs) His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, This is amazing. Quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party... Began. I almost cut that bit off. And then I was like, no, I really like putties. Let's leave that on. The party began. Yes. So good. So that's the part I want to focus on this morning is verse 22. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. So I only have my cardi, but I'm just going to use it to hold it. <laughs> Um, the robe was the first thing he was given. It's the first thing the father said. It's the thing that we are given first. It's a foundational thing. It was the best robe. It was the finest robe. And the robe communicated to the household and the community that this guy was a part of, or becoming a part of again, that when, he, when it was put on him, you just stand here for a second. I'll just use you. No, 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 you turn around. Oh. <laughs> wasn't the Unwilling. It's all good. It's beautiful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so pretend it's not just my cardi. Um, the robe, it was the finest robe in the house. When it was put on him, that was communicating to the village and the household that he is now covered you cannot look at him and point a finger. You cannot gossip about where he's been and what he's done. And that song that we sung earlier, Covered, I know some people have a, a problem with the lyrics sometimes because it's talking about covered. Our sins are covered. But there. if you just step back for a second and say, yes, God has taken our sin and he has thrown it as far away as the east is from the west, and yes, it is gone. But if you think about it in this imagery— We are covered. We are completely covered. He's taken His, thank you very much. He's taken His finest robe, His best robe, the robe of righteousness, and He has placed it upon us. And we are now covered with His righteousness. His righteousness. This is the robe of righteousness. It's not just extended to Him. It's given to Him. God, the Father, doesn't just didn't just say here take your robe he took it and he put it on him they put it on him it's the action of i'm covering you and it blows my mind that it takes away the ability for the village to gossip because that robe was a visual sign actually they they have no right there is no right. There is no shame now attached to him. There is no right for them to be able to go, oh, well, he's been there and he did that. And oh, my gosh, it's it, it's not allowed because he's wearing their robe. He is 100% covered. And that is a sign when he wears it and walks around. So we've been given that robe of righteousness. We can wear it. We can walk around carrying that. We're not just carrying it, wearing it, being aware of it. It's such an incredible blessing. It's not something that we just have access to occasionally. It's something that we can choose to wear all the time. I have the robes of righteousness on me. It rests there. It encompasses me. It warms me. It's a visible sign. There's no shame on you that can come when I wear the robe of righteousness because there is no shame. The shame has gone. Instead, it's righteousness is on me. No shame is on me. Nothing can stick. I've been made right. So the robe of righteousness is something we need to actually fix our minds on and protect. Obviously, we can't physically hold on to the robes of righteousness like this. But in the sense of, of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grasp hold of this. I walk with this robe, and nobody can point a finger at me, nobody can say blah 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 about me, about where I've been, or what's gone on, or anything, because the robes of righteousness are on me and surrounding me. <sighs> Walk aware of the robes. The other thing the son was given was the ring. Um, the ring, it would have been a family ring, um, it showed favour to have the ring given to him. A ring was a symbol of dignity and wealth. People, just average people, didn't have a ring. It was was an extravagance thing. Um, Something that completely blows my mind in relation to the ring is that the father was saying, when he puts that ring on him, he says, you're an heir. And if we go back in the story... Um, he'd already given him his inheritance. What? And, you know, we sung that Reckless Love song, and that's another song that I know some people don't like that word, reckless, because of the association of the word and what they understand it to mean. But if you think about it like this, if, if one of our daughters came and took their part of their inheritance and went away and blew it all and then came back, that's... And then said, you know, and, and then I, as a mother, chose to still give them their inheritance again. That's what the father did when he put that ring on him that That ring is inheritance that's a that's like a, an incredible type of reckless love, because he's given his inheritance again. He's like, you're an heir in this family, no matter." everything that was blown, you're an heir again, you have that inheritance again, and we have that inheritance. The other part of the ring significance is the fact that it's like, a, you know, a king and the king's ring. Um, the king's ring, when a king had ring. They would use it. It would get used as a stamp with the seal, with the wax. It was the seal of approval ring. It was a ring that carried authority. It was a ring that had um, significance and meaning behind it. So this guy who's been away and taken his inheritance and come back, he's been given his inheritance again, but he's also been given responsibility and part of the family again. You're officially part of this family. You officially are a part of what is going on. We want you to partner with us again. We want you to work with us. I give you the authority that my family ring carries. Now go out. The authority that I, as your father, have, I'm giving it to you to then go out and use in the community. And so now the son goes out, and whatever he does with this ring, it has the seal of his father's approval on it. It has that same authority that he is carrying out and carrying through in everything he does. It's mind blowing when you think about the detail and the implications of each of these gifts. It's incredible. So, in Christ, because of the ring, we have that authority. We have that inheritance (laughs) and God says partner with me the same way that when the father gave the son the ring, he's saying be a part of my family again, take on family responsibility, be with this family again. God says it to us. And this next part, this is my favorite. Um, in our family Shoes are a bit of a thing <laughs> um, I have Or oh, I had an uncle that had a shoe shop I have another uncle that has two shoe shops Shoes are a thing In my family And I have grown up always appreciating shoes And um, Maddie Can I steal your sandal? Sorry I had some at home to bring in Then I forgot them Sorry um, Thanks <laughs> Um so, shoes. There's like a we. There's a bit of a running joke in our family. I'll just throw Brie under the bus a little bit. Um, when she was when she she learned to crawl, the first thing that she crawled to was not toys. It was shoes, <laughs> and she hasn't stopped. <laughs> we love you, Brie. But it's shoes. It's like part of our family inheritance, and yeah, it's, we love shoes. Uh, it's all good. It's fun to look. Just look, I'm not Imelda Marcos or Celine Dion. Um, Anyway, that's a digression. So shoes, shoes, the father gave the son shoes. I'm just going to go through um, some shoe history. Bear with me, bear with me. So Back in Bible times, the affluent had a type of boot that they could wear. Working class had sandals. Slaves were barefoot. That's basic. Then there's other things that are associated to shoes, which in my research, I did a, I read a 22-page article about the history of shoes. For somebody who loves shoes, it was really cool. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Lawrence came home, and I—I'll t- I'll explain that one in a minute. But anyway, <laughs> shoes were used as trophies when battles were won. They were used to seal a bargain when a deal was made. Um, it's like saying, "I give you my word. Here's my shoe." It's like, ill it's kind of gross anyway um the shoe symbolized possession not just of a person which is disturbing but of land it it was a, a symbol of possession power was attached to having shoes uh control and dominance was communicated with shoes there are so many examples of all of this stuff i'm not going into it um This is the one that I laughed at the most. In the Talmud, I have to read it word by word, um, a woman could annul a contracted marriage if it is found out that her husband occupies a higher rank and station than the one she believed him in originally. She may say, I have no use for a shoe that is too large for my foot. Oh my gosh, I wonder where the saying of those will be hard shoes to fill came from. my gosh, so she could cancel her contracted marriage if it's like, oh, no, I didn't know he was going to become deputy mayor. No, I don't think I want to marry him anymore. (laughs) Anyway, I said it to Lawrence when he came home, and I was like, it's okay. I love you. Um. So those are which hard shoes to fill. Incredible. Um, it was considered unworthy for a scholar to wear patched shoes. Um, taking off shoes was is a sign of reverence, humility, respect. That still happens in cultures in different places today. Um, Moses had to take off his shoes for the burning bush. Um even a slave wouldn't remove his, fast, his, fasters, his master's shoes because it was too dirty a job. And then I reflected on the fact that John the Baptist commented on the fact he was not worthy to untie Jesus or carry Jesus' sandals. So John the Baptist was saying that he recognised that was such a dirty job, but I'm, I'm not even good enough to do that job for Jesus. That was just like, wow, wow. On the Day of Atonement for Israel, when they pray for forgiveness, um, they're they're forbidden to wear neither shoes because they were considered a luxury or a comfort. Um, From the Middle Ages, shoelessness was a visible sign of penance. Hmm, I wonder where they got that idea from. Um, (laughs) Being shoeless was a sign of resignation, loss, or mourning. Um, It happens in the Bible in different places. If negatively used, shoes were uh, used to show scorn, disgrace, or insult. But if shoes were given, it was... uh, seen as a sign of devotion. So when the father took the shoes and gave them to his son, he was showing him an incredible level of devotion. I'm going to give back Maddie's shoe now. Thanks, Maddie. <laughs> so the son returned home Barefoot. You could look at this and you could say, okay, maybe it was a sign of repentance and mourning because he was mourning his many losses of things that he'd, the decision he'd made, the money he'd lost, all of that. Um, But there was also definitely involved was his lack of social status. He was a pig feeder. He had no food himself. He was a slave. He was beyond poor. So he had no shoes. He was barefoot. He was also deeply shamed. So to be without shoes was a huge sign of shame. And when he said, I have sinned against both heaven and you, willing, um, in his practice statement, he said, you know, I can be a slave. But when he actually got there, he didn't say that because he realized, I'm seeing my father face to face. I'm always going to be his son. It's the coming home moment, the moment of realising that, and if we turn it around and say, this is our father, I can never declare myself his slave because I am his daughter. I am his son. And we think about it in that sense that I'm, I'm not God's slave. I'm not the father's slave. I am his daughter first. First. And I will always be his daughter first, me. That's amazing. It was so shameful for him to go back to his father, barefoot, hungry, just in the bottom of the pit. His tail between his legs, so to speak. And this is, this is a huge moment because the father, his response was incredible. In the Beatitudes, can we just bring up Matthew 5? It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And in the message version, it says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. We sung a song kind of like this this morning. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. The sun... And the Beatitudes, I, I read the Beatitudes just, you know, in a personal moment when I wasn't preparing my message. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this, this is exactly what the son had walked through. And he has gone from a place of deep mourning, deep regret, deep hell. And now he's at a place where he can, he's blessed by the Father, and this is us too. We're blessed by the Father. We have that full inheritance again. Our Father's response to us, every single one of us, is astounding. Romans 2 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can you see that his kind oh, sorry, can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? His father gave him shoes. His father was saying with those shoes, You're now free from lack. You're now free from shame. You are now free from that sense of loss that you were carrying. You're my son. You're not a slave. You have my complete devotion. You have my complete provision. All with a pair of shoes. (laughs) When we just go, oh my gosh, so much imagery, so much depth. That Jesus was communicating when he shared this parable of how much, how great the Father's love is for us. And then when we take it and we go, oh wow, God, I want that reality in my life. I want the reality of the robe. In my life, I want the reality of the ring in my life. I want the reality of the shoes in my life. I want to walk knowing that nobody can point a finger because it's all just going to fall off because God says, I am righteous in Him. I am 100% covered. And if anybody looks at me, that is what they can see. That is what they can see, His robe of righteousness. And righteousness cannot come from ourselves because that is just piousness. That's piety. That is being a Pharisee. That is, um, that, that's, we can't, that's just self-righteousness. We can't be righteous in ourselves. It's God's righteousness that we have to take and put on and choose and wear. And I'm His daughter. I'm going to wear those shoes <laughs> uh, I'm going to wear those shoes I'm going to walk knowing that I'm his daughter I'm going to walk knowing that I have his provision I'm going to walk knowing that I have his complete and utter devotion and I'm going to wear his ring I'm going to know that I carry his authority and I have his inheritance, no matter how much of that inheritance I may have already wasted. Because yes, I have not always made great decisions with my life or I may not have always made great decisions with my time. Or like Mark was saying, you, you go, oh, wait, should I be doing this? And, and you question and you wonder, but you know, God's bigger than all of that. He says, your inheritance is still here for you. No matter what happened there, because now you've got the robe, now you've got the shoes, and now you've got the ring. So now we can walk and we can wear those three items. (laughs) And we can walk so differently if we just choose to meditate on the meaning of those, the significance of those, the depth of those the reality of those in our lives. Yeah? Thank you, God. Father, I pray that we would all go out wearing our shoes and our rings and our robes, not only in the natural, but in the supernatural today. That we would go out of this place and as we stand in here as well, But no matter where we go, no matter what we do, that we would continue to engage with you, to converse with you, to connect with you, and know that you give us your complete love, devotion, attention, authority. You affirm us and you say that we are yours. Father, if there are moments when we're walking without our robe, our ring, or our shoes, just remind us. By your Holy Spirit, just place your gentle finger, your gentle touch, and remind our minds and our hearts, our souls, of the reality of what you've given us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.